Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Hey, Pat, are you, are, do you smell something? It smells um, like, like a fryer bubbling. And and yeah, and yeah, um, old fashions being poured, or in um, your case, a kitty cocktail. Gee, thanks. <laughs> gee, thanks. I <laughs> just because I don't drink, you know. <laughs> well, Appreciate I was also going with your baby face, Pat. Baby, I have a beard. Right, but the rest of you, you look like you're maybe. 20. I look like I'm 20? Sure. I mean, yeah. Gee, thanks. Yep. You're I'm welcome. I, I'm paying you a compliment. I called, I said that you had a baby face, that you look younger than you are. And you took offense to that? I, I mean, now that you've clarified, no, I don't, I don't take offense to that. Good grief, Matt. But yes, that smell of the fryer, that smell of old fashions in the mix. That means it is a Friday here on Critical Thinking. Yes, that's right. Follow us on the socials, which you can see below us on our Rumble um, live video. Well, live at 10 a.m. Um, Central Time. But anyway, live for you that are viewing it for the first time. Um, but yes, you can see all of that wonderful goodness there, where to follow us. Um, we've got all that there for you. And of course, thank you so much if you are listening via podcast, wherever you're listening, however you're listening or watching, we thank you so very much. Make sure over the weekend, by the way, to tell one individual, at least one individual about the show. Just, just grab their phone and put it into their podcasting app. Just do it. Trust me. It'll be good. Now. All of that having been said, Pat, it is the Friar. It is almost the freaking weekend. Um, and I thought, you know, why do we need to um, why do we need to go political all the time on a Friar, right? On a Fish Fry Friday. Yeah. So <clears throat> I saw a great question. And uh, so what we're going to do is a, a each of us gets a non-political question to ask of the other person. And we shall discuss from there. Um, do you want to go first or you want me to go first on oh, this very first, first uh, non-political question? Why don't, why don't you go first? Okay. So this one is out of left field, if you will, but I think this is a very interesting question. Your tombstone can have only a single movie quote. What does it say? Oh, you son of a. 
Damn, that is a hard, hard question. Um, so I'm, I'm going to answer this two different ways. Because I am such a Star Wars fan. Um, I think I think I would have to go with the classic line of do or do not. There is no try. There is no try. Um, but if I'm going to go outside of Star Wars, um, I'm going to pick a line from one of my favorite movies, and that's that's going to be the line would be "Get busy living or get busy dying." Mm. So that's from Shawshank Redemption for those that uh, don't know. So, um, yeah, that, that that is a tough one. I mean, I and depending on the day, I, I could easily come up with some other ones. <laughs> so, because it's, yeah. But that, that is a tough one. Absolutely a tough one. Yeah, so you stole the one that I would put, which is Are you serious? Is, the, is the Yoda quote. Yeah. Do or do not. There is no try. Yeah, that's absolutely um that that sums up kind of my spirit, period. I I, I believe that, you know, trying doesn't get you anywhere. Right. Now, you either commit to doing something or you don't. If you half-ass it, that's the point of that quote, right? Right. Um, the other one that I think would be absolutely apropos for me is... Um, <clears throat> give me one second. I need to, to find it just to make sure I've got it uh, correct. <clears throat> is this quote... Uh-huh. Are you trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> what what movie is that from? Major League. Capasso oh, there, Pedro. I, I, I saw that bits of that as a little kid, but I, I Capasso, Pedro. <laughs> uh and now Pat, there's another one that I had really considered here because I think it would be absolutely hilarious in the the dry humor that I have. It's just a flesh wound. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, <coughs> excuse me. but uh, no, the, What are you going to do? Uh, bleed on me? <laughs> Get back here. Uh, there's, another, there's another good one that I, I really like. It's um, everything's impossible until somebody does it. Um, and that that's actually a quote from from Batman. Fair enough. So <laughs> the other one that I was thinking of is also from uh, Deadpool. I'm about to do to you what Limp Bizkit did to music in the late 90s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I would definitely go with something irreverent and funny. And I think, um, you know, either the Star Wars quote for seriousness or uh, are you saying Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> wow! I would, I would love to, like, honest to God, I, I, thinking about that, could Jesus Christ hit a curveball? I would well, assume I would, so. I would assume so. I, I would like to believe that he can do anything he wants. Right, but is he also not? Of the flesh, right? Meaning, is he not just as fallible or potentially fallible as everybody else? And and isn't uh, not being able to hit a curveball a fallibility? <laughs> These are the theological questions I want somebody like Steve Dace to answer. In fact, buy, sell, or hold, Jesus Christ couldn't hit a curveball. <laughs> that, that actually could be a really, really funny question. Like, like question to ask them i think i'm gonna i'm gonna put that into the buy seller hold for them next week 
And by the way, yes, we are absolute uh, friends and fans of them um, because we are friends with them. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have a little bit of fun with them next week. That, that, that would be a funny one. <laughs> Buy, sell, or hold. Jesus Christ. Or Theology Thursday. Jesus Christ. Good he hit a curveball. All right. That having been said, Pat, it's your turn. All right. So um, just just because, you know, we, we, we decided to do this this morning, um, I'm going to go with a relatively easy one. Um, and that is, you know, with it being summer. <clears throat> well, actually, no, I'm going to do this one instead. If if you could move anywhere out of Chicago right now, mm. where would you go and why? Mm. This is a really, really tough question. And, and this is a question that my wife and I have pondered quite a bit, honestly, because we look for both the economic and the social freedom, right? Right. Um, I don't know that you can find it anywhere. I don't know that you could. Singapore could be an area that you would look to for the economic freedom, right? Right. At one point in time, I would have considered New Zealand for the economic freedom that they do have. But given the COVID-19 lockdown situations in both of those countries, no way, no how. Well, that's um, true. Now, if I'm looking here in the United States of America, I would have to say Arizona might be a target for myself. Um, but I would also consider um, the Nashville area or um, Indianapolis. Those would be the two areas that I would look towards. Okay, um, and here's why. My wife and I both like the urban lifestyles. Um, we enjoy living in a city, and I've said this a thousand times over, and you've heard this, Pat. Um, if if I wanted to move to the suburbs and have this 3,000-square-foot home with an acre of land and all this other junk, right, why would I have left Green Bay, Wisconsin? I could get it for half the price, right? Right. So why would I have done that? Like, there's no point in me doing that here. Um, it's also old in Green Bay, Wisconsin. During certain times of the year. Right, but it's also home to the greatest football team ever created. So It's debatable, but all right. Is it? Mm, yeah. Is it really debatable, though, Pat? Think about that. Uh, Who uh, yeah. is there a team that's won more NFL championships? The answer is no. Is there, By the it, way, the New England many... Patriots um, and all of the Super Bowls they've won, still half. The Denver Broncos and their four billion dollars from the uh, the four billion dollar plaything from the uh, the Walmart error. Um, you you might be one of the few people that actually looks at national championships, though. I think everyone kind of counts Super Bowl wins now. Sure, but there's a whole almost fifty year history of the NFL prior to the uh, Super Bowl, and first of all. How many how many teams have won back to back championships in NFL uh, or excuse me Super Bowl history? The answer is like what two? I was gonna say 49ers and the Patriots and the Packers. Super Bowls one and two. And on top of it, they're the only ones to win a trifecta of NFL championships in a row. They won 65, 66, and 67. Before my time. Obviously. And I get it. Different era. But they're also the only team to win in the 60s. Uh, in multiple decades. Like four decades, I think. Right? So it would be in the, in the 30s, 40s, 60s, 90s, 2000s. Or 2010s. Depending on how you count 2010. Uh, the 2010 Super Bowl. I, I would count those the twenty tens. So five decades they've won championships in. That's consistently great football, considering they've been around for over a hundred years now. Fair enough. I mean, nineteen twenty one to twenty twenty two, or twenty twenty, 
that's the the hard part. The hundredth anniversary of the Green Bay Packers, and technically it's nineteen nineteen, but uh, they only count the NFL version for the NFL. But we were professional, just not a member of the NFL before that um, in nineteen nineteen. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I would just say this for me though. I look at um, the ability to to live a semi urban life if you wanted to, or an urban life in which things are less like bat nuts crazy. And while Nashville is more liberal, right, it is not as crazy as Chicago. You still get the best of the urban lifestyle. You could also live in like Franklin or Smyrna or other areas around Nashville. And right. you don't have the the income tax. You don't have some of the, the economic stuff. And they are, as a state, more socially conservative. So there's that. Indianapolis is similar. I think it's one of the, if not the most underrated city in, in the United States of America. It's also a pretty big sports town. It's a massive sports town. If you're a fan of the Big Ten, living in Indianapolis is a great location. It's easy to get to places, and most likely you're going to be able to watch your team play at some point in time in that city. That's true. Or you just go to West Lafayette or Bloomington to watch your team play. You know, play Purdue or or Indiana. And you're not that far from the Cincinnati area. You're not far from Louisville and Bourbon Country. Columbus. Right. You're not far from Columbus. You're not far from Champaign either. Um you know, so the, the point of, that I'm making is that like those are areas that we would consider, but ultimately it is it is almost an impossibility because the other part for me, well, what about Florida? What about Texas? Have you seen Texas and how purple it is? Have you have you watched? I wouldn't want to live in Austin. I wouldn't want to live in San Antonio. I wouldn't want to live in Dallas. I wouldn't want to live in Fort Worth. About the only place I would consider is Waco. Um, You know. So I, I look at those things. I would consider Des Moines myself, but I, I don't know if that's where we'd want to go. You know, trading basically the same climate for the same climate, if not worse, um, because of the openness of Iowa versus a little bit more of the hills that we have here in the Chicago area versus the flatness of the rest of the state of Illinois. Um, yeah, I just name me name me an area. Okay, Florida. Okay, great. Well, guess what? For me and all the the health issues I have, that is not a healthy place for me to be. The the bugginess, the swampiness, the humidity that is Florida. No, thank you. Um, that, I'm assuming health. that's why you chose Arizona. Yeah, Arizona or parts of southern Utah where it's much drier, or parts of southern Colorado where it's much drier. Um, it's not as humid. Um, would be an ideal place. Um, but again, the problem is, look at the politics, look at the social structure, look at um, what they can offer in terms of entertainment, lifestyle, those types of things. At the end of the day, it is almost impossible to find it. You have to almost create it for yourself. You know, and you almost have to go and find a small community that will foster um, that economic and social freedom. Fair enough. What about you? Uh, if I were to move outside of Utah, mm-hmm. um, well, um, honestly, we, we've talked about it at different times. You know, if if things happen with careers and stuff like that, uh, where would we go? Um, the Dallas area of Texas is one, um, and the re- one of the reasons why Texas is because of my wife's career. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because, you know, my radio career as well. Um, if that ever took off, that would be a, a, a place to go. But uh, Texas is a much more friendlier to the right. family and consumer sciences. So um, it would actually be a decent place for my wife to find a job and, and make a decent living. Um, we've talked about the Nashville, Tennessee area as well. Um, that That's also um, one of those places. Um, if they weren't so bat nuts crazy and so expensive, um, San Diego, California, love that city. Yeah, um, yeah, I visited once very briefly uh, for like yeah. three or four days, and it's a climate wise, weather wise, this that is like a paradise all yeah, year yeah. round. Yeah, that, that that that's why 
Um, mm-hmm. We we really we really love it there. That's mm-hmm. actually where we went on our honeymoon. Um, so we really enjoyed San Diego quite a lot. Um, and then if I ever had to go back to the Midwest, uh, probably the Indianapolis area, just because everything is so close. Now, one area that I would definitely consider moving to foreign-wise, even though I don't like the politics and some of the stuff, Germany. Um, in the like lower Bavaria, Austria, like Tyrol region of Germany. Right. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. You have you have a great sense of being able to get out in nature. You can hike, whether or not that's, you know, grueling hikes or easy hikes or strolls. But the people, the people of those areas are so amazingly genuine and generous and fun. Um, I would totally love to live in those areas. Um, that's an area we've considered if we wanted to uh, retire, uh, retiring into those regions. Yeah, we've uh, if we ever moved out, I mean, my for my wife, it's Italy. Because mm-hmm. that's her heritage, and for me, it's either uh, Dublin, Dublin, Ireland, or uh, London, London, England. I just can't deal with know. all the rain and bullcrap that they get. I just nah, I'm yeah. good. I mean, I, I'll, for I'd, me, I'd actually take Chicago over London in terms of um, city level. Oh, in terms of politics and stuff. Oh, no, yeah, not absolutely. just politics. Not just politics. Mm-hmm. Like the actual culture of the cities and the actual like, um, yeah, I just. It's a great London's a great city, but Chicago, the food scene's better. The yeah. you know, there's just a lot more to like about it. Um, but anyway, I, I think it's a very I, I think it's a fascinating question for people to consider because take a look at your politics, take a look at your economic beliefs. I, Panama might be an area that I would also consider because it is much more economically free than America is. I don't trust its politics necessarily, but there's a really good expat community there. Um, Portugal's another place to consider um, from a economic standpoint um, and from an expat standpoint. The climate is great there. Um, but take a look at all of these places and go, is there a place in the world that fits your either libertarian belief or your belief in social conservatism or your belief in economic freedom? In free markets, it is impossible to find the mix. It really is, even here in the United States of America. And that's my whole point in this exercise. Sit down with your significant other, sit down with your family, and think about those things. And, and, and try to come up with a place that you would want to live. It's almost impossible. We've done it for years. It, it's just craziness. So. Um, but yeah, uh, I think those are interesting questions. Um, now, that having been said, I think it's also time for another interesting question. Uh, it is time for us to play the B or not the B. All right, Pat, lay that headline on me one time, at least. Victims of Communism Museum set to open in Washington, D.C. to honor over 100 million people killed by Marxists. Victims of Communism Museum set to open Washington, D.C. to honor over 100 million people killed by Marxists. Is this the B or not the B? That is the question. While you're thinking about that really quick there, Andrew Coppins. Folks, if you haven't gone to American Pride Roasters yet, please go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com. They are up on a very limited uh, uh, standpoint, but Mm -hmm. they are slowly getting life back to normal. Um, DM is back to making at least some things on a limited basis. So if you would please support a good, small local business that makes a great product, great coffee, even though I don't personally drink coffee, mm-hmm. I stand by Andrew's testament of this. Hey, um, hey, 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 I don't, I don't claim to know what great coffee is. I just know that these are great people producing good coffee. At least at the very yes. least, it's good at very, coffee at the very least. So go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com. That is AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Now, I have an idea. Maybe Dave can uh, can come visit Chicago sometime and uh, let me know how to taste coffee and discern between good coffee, great coffee, everything in between. Just an it's idea. Probably like, it's probably like wine tasting. 
Yeah, or a, a cider tasting, which I'm going to be able to do this weekend, thanks to my wife, for uh, our anniversary. Because um, we do um, opposites, meaning I do the modern anniversary gifts and she does the traditional, and the traditional for the fourth year is uh, fruit. There you go. I, I'm not supposed to be drinking much in the way of beer, so, um, you know, gluten and all that. Um, so yeah. we're going to go to a, an actual um, hard cider place here in Chicago and and do a full tour and tasting. So that's going to be fun. But anyway, fun. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's called Right Bee, by the way. Um, it's really cool um, local place where they actually have like um, like a like honey harvesting place on the top of their building. Mm -hmm. And it, it huh. actually started as like a place to do honey and then he decided to get into cider as well. Um, really, really cool place. So excited to do that. I haven't been there yet, but <coughs> I've had plenty of their stuff. Um, so, yeah. Um, now, question for you. No. The way you read that headline, uh -huh. it, it, it made it sound like there were victims of the communist museum. Do you need me to read it again? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying, right? Victims I, I of Communism Museum. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The headline reads, Victims of Communism Museum set to open in Washington, D.C. over on, to honor over 100 million people killed by Marxists. Yeah, and it's probably closer to about 125 to 150 million if you actually take the full scale of Marxism in the 19th and 20th century. Um, so I'm going to go with this being not the B. Are you sure? Yeah, absolutely. You would be correct then. This is not the B. And good for them to be opening this in Washington, D.C. Good for them. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, and actually the museum was founded by the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation, which was authorized in a unanimous act of Congress and signed into law by President Bill Clinton in 1993. How far we have fallen since then. Um, the foundation is currently headed by Ambassador Andrew Bremberg, who served as U.S. President. Uh, permanent representative at the United Nations in Geneva from 2018 to 2021. Bernberg said the museum was urgently needed because public surveys show a general acceptance of socialist and communist ideas among young people. The foundation raised millions of dollars from concerned citizens to rehabilitate and build out two floors of its building located at McPherson Square within the view of the White House. The, the museum seeks to honor the more than 100 million people who were, and counting, who were killed by communist regimes like the Soviet Union, China, Cuba, North Korea, Venezuela, etc. And what about all the people who were just murdered by all the Marxists who um, were just <clears throat> protesting? All the May Day uh, killings, all of that sort of stuff that had happened in the I, 1830s and 1880s and 1890s. Yeah, it's probably closer I, to about 125 million people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would imagine, I would imagine, with from what I'm reading here, that that would be included somewhere. And I hope to God that it's right next door to the National Holocaust Museum. Well, that would be good. I really do because that, I, I think that would be relevant. I think um, people need to understand the two are almost side by side because really, why Russia? was on our side is because they were fighting two sides of the same coin. National socialism versus Marxism. That's what was, you know, communism versus socialism was the fight on that side of the war. By the way, have you been to the Holocaust Museum before? Yeah, I was. I went to the Holocaust Museum. Now, this was a very long time ago uh, when I was in eighth grade. We went to the Hol uh, National Holocaust Museum and we did the adult side of it because there's two sides by the way there's a kids yeah, oh, yeah. section and the the regular adult museum and and they they got us into the adult side yeah uh we, we did the same thing except i was in sixth grade that's a lot to take in as a sixth grader i i don't know that i don't know if i would do it to a sixth grader. uh i i can tell you this uh once was enough <laughs> right um 
And yeah. uh, the only time I think I will ever go back to that museum is to take my own children. Yeah, I mean, I think I would go back as an adult. Um, mm. And then also, you know, as an adult, I've seen a concentration camp in person, you know. Um, so I went and saw Dachau when we were on our um, honeymoon slash anniversary trip. Um, we went to and took a guided tour, like with a like an actual historian um, helping us guide that. So it's like things that we learned, like that most people wouldn't about Dachau, mm. like why the uh, memorials that exist at Dachau are in the order that they are when you look back at the concentration camp uh, yeah. or look from the concentration camp to them. The Catholic memorial is dead center. Why? What the stories all you know, all the Jews that were killed in the Holocaust and all that stuff. Well, at Dachau, that's where Catholic priests in Bavaria were slaughtered at just unreal numbers. More more Catholics died at Dachau than Jews. Huh. So it's very interesting. Now, that having been said, um <clears throat> All that darkness having <laughs> been said. Um, I think it's time for us to, uh, I don't know, crown a brand new Richard of the Week. I don't know about you, but when I hear that sound, I always think of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, that's, that's actually a pretty good uh, representation of that. I I, I, I would agree. Now, I also thought of another line from that movie that I would consider, and that's, bring out your dead. <laughs> right on my own tombstone. <laughs> See, I, I thought it would be something like, uh, we are the knights who say, me. <laughs> you shall bring us a shrubbery. <laughs> Is that an African or a European swallow? Well, yeah, uh, Afri- uh, European swallows are non-migratory. <laughs> oh, that movie is so fantastic. Run away, run away. <laughs> All right, that having been said, um, Richard of the Week, the nominees, Pat. <clears throat> the nominees are going to be Joseph Marionette Biden. Now, do we have a clip for this one? Uh, we we have a clip for the friar. Okay, then let's not play it. Yeah, yeah, yep. we'll, we'll we'll play that for the friar. But but it does ultimately stem from the same source of when he goes on to Jimmy Kimmel and essentially just sits there and babbles on forever and gaslights America. Yep. Um, as he has been for a while now. Um, we also have um. Joy Behar, and I believe we have a clip for this one. Well, let's save her until the very end. So, okay. Um, and then we also have uh, Vladimir, Vladimir Putin, because last time I checked, he's still at war with Ukraine. Vladimir Putin. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then we have the Brett Kavanaugh dude. Um, yeah, there's nothing yeah. more Richard like than um, <clears throat> breaking multiple laws. <clears throat> In pursuit of how dare you decide to save human life, right? How dare you decide that uh, um, human life has value regardless of whether it is pre-born, born, or 55 years old, right? How, yeah. how dare you? So you know what I'm going to do, Pat? This is the thing that bothers me about this, right? So you know what I'm going to do in pursuit of of making sure that uh, that babies are are not born? I'm going to murder you. Nothing says I'm not pro murder like uh, murder. When driving right. from California, committing multiple felonies. In fact, the last time I checked, if you drive from California to Washington D.C., you've crossed at least twenty states to do so. I'm gonna have to count that sometime. Yeah, yeah. It's at least fifteen to twenty states. Think about it. You've got to go California to Arizona. So that's two states. Then uh-huh. you go New Mexico to Texas to Oklahoma to to potentially Tennessee, no. West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland, um, D 
DC is in the state, but you, you get the point. I'm I'm fairly certain there's a few more in there. But right. There's yeah. also the potential to take the southern route, which would take you through Mississippi and Louisiana and Alabama and up, you know, through that direction. There's multiple ways that you could do this. You could take the Route 66 right. route. I don't know. Was he into the scenic stuff? I have no idea. But there's literally nothing more Richard-like than, I don't like your um, ruling, so I'm going to murder you. But beyond that, we have not covered that story because here's the deal. We had things that are also important in our lives and in the lives of America. <clears throat> including the the gun battle and all that stuff going on. But, Pat, I, I want to ask you this. Is there anything more insane that could happen this year than somebody attempting to assassinate a Supreme Court justice? I mean, to me, I mean, you, you could put this up there on par with Vladimir Putin, in my opinion. And then, um, secondly... My second question to you is, is this not one of the biggest and most historical stories that should be told about our time? Oh, absolutely it should. Will it ever be told? No. Probably not. Nope. This will never appear in a history book. Never. In fact, I will bet you there's at least 25 to 30 million Americans out there right now who have no idea that Brett Kavanaugh um, was nearly assassinated. Think about that. And why? CNN buried this, if you went into their feed, okay, on CNN.com, mm. it was story number 30, when it happened. What? The New York Times put it on its front page. Uh, on the actual physical newspaper? Yeah. It was the very bottom of the front page. I mean, at least they put it on the front page. That's better than CNN. No, it's not. Because 29 other stories were ahead of it on the front page oh, of the New York Times. Okay. Okay. So it was equally as buried. Mm -hmm. So unless you went searching for this in the mainstream media, would you know about this? Probably not. Now, why is that happening? Well, because to people like the, the Justice for Ruth or Ruth uh, whatever, it's like a group of pro-abortion activists and whatever. This is the group that's been leading the, the Kavanaugh and everybody else um, 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 rallies and protests outside of their homes, right? They, they think that that's a justifiable position, right? Right. Well, guess what? <laughs> this is the inevitable end of all of this, right? Right. This is what happens when you don't cool the temperature. This is what happens when Jen Psaki refuses to say, um, no, these protests are wrong. This is wrong. We need to cool the temperature of this debate. We, we understand the passion. We understand the emotion of this. We understand that both sides of this have very deep-rooted opinions, very deep-rooted beliefs on these issues. But this is wrong. Drawing that line in the sand was not Jen Psaki's thing. In fact, Jen Psaki encouraged it. Jen Psaki in the White House. Joseph Marionette Biden's position, by the way, on this. From the mouthpiece of the White House, Jen Psaki, um, Jimmy Psaki's older sister, by the way, um, she told the world all of this was okay. The reason that CNN is bearing this, the New York Times is bearing this, that you're not going to hear this story on CBS or MSNBC or CNN or anything is because this would shine the spotlight on the utter depravity that has existed in these groups. It would shine the spotlight on, oh, wait, maybe we, uh-oh. But it also doesn't fit their narrative, right? It's only the right-wing nut job that would get this highlighted, right? If this was a right-winger attempting to do this, right? We all know the whataboutism, right? And I'm sick and tired of the whataboutism, but I'm also sick and tired 
of the left gaslighting America on these topics. I'm sick and tired of it. Now, it also does what? Proves their gun control advocacy to be dead in the water. Why? Because what happened here? You and I are not afforded the armed security and the detail of protection that Justice Kavanaugh and his family are afforded right now. Right. And are afforded most of the time, by the way. But it was because of that armed presence, right, that that overwhelming presence of force that was in front of them, that this individual literally got to the block and called the cops on himself, noting he was not going to live through this, right? Called the cops and said, hey, I'm here to kill Justice Kavanaugh. All because of the presence in front of him. Because of the realization that his plan was never going to work. But if it weren't for that force, we might have had an assassination of a sitting justice of the United States Supreme Court. Has that ever happened before in the history of the country? I don't believe so. I don't think it has. I don't believe so. I could be wrong, but I don't remember that ever happening. All because people like Jen Psaki and the leftist groups believe that their political victory is more important than life. Ironically, people who are, we're not about murder, we're about the, uh, the, the life of the mother, would have snuffed out the life of the mothers of all of the um, children of the Kavanaugh family in support of their <clears throat> right to choose. Murder. Now, this also highlights the fact that uh, criminals uh, don't care about the law. Because how many laws did uh, this criminal break, Pat? Let's see. Attempted murder, um, threatening a a federal official. um, hmm. Oh, that's right. Um, Carrying weapons across state lines against law. Hmm. Um, at least 10 to 15 times, by the way, that you could charge that, depending on the route that he took to get from California to, to Maryland. Be, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be all sorts of traffic violations, too. <laughs> right. Not to mention, um, you probably broke a number of laws about um, what you can and can't own and what how much ammo you can and can't have in the state of Maryland. Not to mention all the other things. I'm going to guess that the charges amount to probably about oh, almost 100 by the end of all of it. If they wanted to, they could charge him with almost 100 different crimes. Did he care? No, not one bit. It doesn't fit into the neat little narrative that uh, right wing extremism is the problem. And I'm not here to suggest that Jen Psaki personally is responsible for this. I'm not here to suggest and do the things that the left would do to the right. What I am here to suggest is that this is the byproduct of increasing the insanity on this debate and on this topic. And it is the responsibility of the White House to act in a responsible manner. To not flame the rhetoric, to not flame these things, to be the adult in the room. But I'm not against having the fight, right? I'm not saying don't fight. I'm not saying don't get into the mud. There's a difference between getting into the mud and saying, you know what? I think it's a good idea to go ahead and protest outside of the homes of federal officials. And Chuck Schumer getting on uh, TV the other day and suggesting every day he's got protesters outside of his house. The absolute gall and gaslighting that goes on and the inability of the, the White House, we strongly condemn the, no, oh, now you do? You were perfectly fine with everything up to that line. What did you think was going to happen? What do you think was going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? Furthermore, this is also a John Roberts problem. This should have been something that John Roberts and a bunch of other individuals, mainly John Roberts, though, 
um, decided to do what, Pat? He should have decided to have released that opinion immediately after it got leaked. Release it. This is the opinion of the court. Boom. See you later. Instead, he's let it fester and fester and fester and fester. We, we still don't have it released. What, what, what's the holdup, man? What you waiting for? Somebody to try to murder? What, it, what will it take for you to release that opinion? What will it take? Somebody to actually murder? Oh, wait. Th- then that justice can't uh, issue that opinion. What the hell is going on with these people? I can't even think of a reason why you wouldn't release it by now. Unless that's not the actual opinion, or unless you think you're going to gain some leverage somehow over the over the um, investigation into who leaked it. If that is the opinion of the court, release the damn thing. You're not doing anybody any good. Because say, here's, the, here's the rub. The faster you do it, the sooner people move on. Because here's the issue. Most people in America will get into an uproar one way or the other for a couple of days, a week, whatever, right? And then they're going to realize, oh, crap, I can't take a trip to visit my family in another state because I got to pay $6 a freaking gallon for gas. Most people are going to realize, oh, wait, I can't afford to go into work this week because I can't afford the tank of gas. Dude, rip the Band-Aid off. Yes. What are you waiting for? You incompetent piece of crap. He is the most incompetent chief justice of the United States Supreme Court in my lifetime. I think he's only the second. <laughs> but he is easily the most incompetent and arguably the most incompetent since the 1930s. What, what what you doing, man? What are you doing? You're going to get one of your justices killed. Yeah, rip the bandaid off and move on. So that having been said, um, Joey Behar is also on this list. So let's go ahead and, and, and hear from Joey. The Republican Party already has said, many of them, that taking those AR-15s off the market is a no start. No okay, let me just say this real quick. I mean, let it's me, all about the just, guns, I know, all right? Can I just say this real quick? As a gun owner, yeah. there are people in this country that genuinely own guns and just do so for the same reason that we all sit up. An AR-15? No, let me tell you. Yeah. Okay, let me give you a story. There's a man in Connecticut that watched his neighbor have a home invasion and watched his whole, their whole family get killed. He built his own AR-15 because Connecticut won't let you buy them, but you can abide by rules that allow you to build them. And then he has one in his house to protect his family because he never wants to see that happen again. He is a black man. It's odd. Most AR-15 owners are former military, okay. 35 plus Let me and married. One more so thing. that's all I'm saying okay. is that they're yeah. not once, crazy once, people. Okay. Here's the thing. Once black people get guns in this country, the gun laws will change. Trust me. That is the what? most insane thing. She said that to literally a black person standing in front of her having a conversation. Telling her, I am a gun owner. How much more racist, by the way, can you get? Now, one in four households, one in four black households in America, according to recent studies, have guns in them. Legally owned guns, by the way. That doesn't even include all of the gangbangers who have illegally purchased guns. And... Either that's the most racist thing, or she is advocating for taking away guns from black people. What? What? In which case, it's still racist, by the way. Right. There's no way around that being absolutely 100% racist. She literally just flippantly said that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Pat. Part of the Jim Crow law was black people couldn't own guns. Part of the government apparatus in the 1960s was to disarm the Black Panthers. Yeah. Who controlled the government in both instances? Um, The Democratic Party. Yeah. So this is just in keeping with Democratic policy 
four evs. So you're going to disarm? What are you saying? What are you saying? America says black people can't own guns? The only people who have ever said that in the history of the United States of America have been Democrats. Not a single Republican, not a single person that is not racist believes that to be an apropos and appropriate thing. Because here's the rub. Living in the city that I live in, if you live in those neighborhoods that are rougher and you are not a legal gun owner, you're nuts. That's my stance. You're nuts. I would suggest arming yourself so that you have the ability to fight back against the criminality in your neighborhood. The armed robberies, the shootings, every weekend, every day in those neighborhoods. You need to be able to defend yourself. You really do. Legally, of course. I would encourage gun ownership. In fact, I think that one in four number is probably low. And more because why? They don't trust government. They don't trust telling the government they own guns, right? They don't trust the government, period, point blank. I mean, your reaction was my reaction. The first immediate reaction was, what in the racist bullcrap is that? In the gall, the gall. This is the this is the white woke crowd. They think they're more black than the black person sitting right in front of them. They have more right to tell a black person what black people should and shouldn't do than a black person in front of them. I mean, I mean, the more I think of this, I mean, it's almost like Joy Behar is uh, saying the the quiet part out loud when it comes to the history of of being a Democrat. Apparently, um, this is the history of, of eugenics. Yeah. This is the history right. of Margaret Sanger and the the progressive thought movement, right. right? The Frankfurt School movement of the early 20th century. This is just the extension of that. These people, Joy Behar and her ilk, were taught the Frankfurt School. Were taught these things growing up. And they've been able to do so throughout academia over the last 50, 60 years. These are the things that are taught. How do you control the population? Disarm them? So what? So that the the next time the the government turns on this population, right? Because it has happened throughout history in America. The next time, oh, we don't have guns. That was the whole point of Jim Crow, was to disarm and disable their ability to become part of society. The whole point. For you to suggest that um, the other side of this, well, wait until black people have guns. No, I highly, I don't know a single gun owner who wouldn't encourage people to own a gun if they wanted to for their own protection, for their own safety against the government, whatever it is. Don't know anybody who wouldn't do that. I just. Again, this goes back to that mentality, right? This goes back to this is an ingrained mentality that they know better for black people than black people know for themselves. Black people are just too stupid to know this. That is what they firmly believe. And if they had their druthers, I guarantee you they'd go down the route. You support abortion, right? What does abortion do? Kills more black babies than any other um, population in the United States of America. 70% of black babies get killed in this country every year. What was the goal of Margaret Sanger? We can go on and on and on about all of this. This is the most god-awful thing I have ever heard come out of her mouth, and that is saying a lot. She said some pretty awful stuff before. Yeah, you think? Yeah. You think. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, are we ready to crown a new Richard? Yeah, I mean, is there any any doubt that the the Richard of the week is the uh the Kavanaugh shooter or potential uh, I Kavanaugh mean, shooter? I I I personally would put him on par with uh Vladimir Putin, so yeah. Yeah, I I think we could go with that. Yeah. Anybody who wants to attempt to assassinate um a Supreme Court justice. You're a Richard. Congratulations. You're a brand new Richard of the week. 
And again, we don't use the names of these people because there's no glorification and there's no nope. right to uh, to your name being put out in public, in my view. But having <laughs> said that, though, guess what else time it is, Pat? It is time for the Friday Fish Fry. That's right. It is time for the fryer. Mr. Padoni, the first story to go deep into the fryer this week. Well, since we're talking, we were talking about uh, Joseph Marinette Bide, we, we might as well go into a couple different things here. Um, we talked about him being on Jimmy Kimmel the other day. Do you, you want to just go ahead and play this clip first? You often get asked, look, the Republicans don't play it square. Why do you play it square? Yeah. Well, well, guess what? If we do the same thing they do, our democracy will literally be in jeopardy. Well, I mean, yeah. not a joke. And I, I understand that argument, but also it's like you're playing Monopoly with somebody who, you know, won't pass go and won't follow any of the rules. And how do you ever make any progress if they're not following the rules? Well, you've got to send them to jail, uh, you know. <laughs> there's that little box directly to jail. I got that little box. I got that little box. This is... Now, this is a technique um, presidents have used for a long while, right? I would go back to what Bill Clinton, right? The late night circuit and make yourself look cool and funny and hip, right? That's the whole point of this. But then also saying the quiet part out loud. I mean, that wasn't funny, right? Like it was no, supposed it was... to be funny. <laughs> they get it? They, they don't pass go. You don't even get your... Um, your uh, analogies, your stories, your allegories right there. But the actual story there should be that they're the ones that pass go and don't allow you to pass go. <laughs> right? That right. would be the point, right? They just continuously magically pass go. And, and, and you don't get way, the $200. They keep the $200. They don't tell you that you pass go. And if they had their way, they, they would just put you in jail. Right, exactly. Right. right. That, that, that would be the correct thing to do here. But... Um, my God, man. My God. Yeah. Um, this interview was so cringe. This interview was so bad that even Jimmy Kimmel lobbing softballs, even trying to to like nudge him in the right direction, right? Or or whatever. Um, literally trying to save him. Like, hang on a second, though, let's go to commercial or whatever. Like in the middle of his un incoherent, unintelligible ramblings. Um at one point in time, Pat, they literally just had to cut to commercial because he was just rambling on. Like there was no, there was just a hard cut to commercial. Now, mind you, this is a taped show. This is not live, live. This is taped. That's how bad this interview was. And they, so they couldn't even cut and dub very well to save this. This was awful. This is the person that's supposed to lead us from the brink of economic ruin and disaster, right? We're, we're supposed to believe that this is the individual that has the leadership skills to do these things, right? Just nuts. Just absolutely nuts. Now, also, you can make the argument this is the puppet they wanted to make sure that economic ruin happens. And oh, voila, democratic socialism is in play. You can make that argument. I've largely made that argument that he has always been a puppet and notice how they cleared the field for him. Right. And suddenly 81 million people, I'm still supposed to believe that 81 million of our fellow Americans thought this guy was, was a, a, a wise decision. There ain't no way in hell. That's true. No. But then again, last election is the first time I think I've ever seen hate voting be successful. I don't even know if it was hate voting. It, it was hate rigging the system. Well, that, that too. I mean, if you haven't followed what's been going on in Wisconsin um, and the clear issues that with chain of custody and all that sort of stuff, um, you you need to pay attention to that. If a state like Wisconsin can be like that, holy Moses. I shudder to think what Pennsylvania, Michigan can look like, mm -hmm. Illinois can look like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. 
And it's also a good reminder of why we need the Electoral College, because if, if they can just cheat their way to winning the Electoral College, what the hell do you think is going to happen to an, a quote-unquote national popular vote? There ain't no way a, a right-leaning individual will ever win the presidency ever again. It would never happen. Ever. Nope. It is the buttress against that that you must fight. And it's there because that's supposed to be the way. But anyway, um, yeah. Joe, so while we've got Matthew McConaughey lying on the the podium of the White House press secretary, um, you know, um, stage, we have this senile old man getting in front of the American public. Again, what has been my thing? Hide him. Hide him, hide him, hide him. Because every time he talks, he looks more insane. Every time. Oh, and it hurts you. It, it, and it hurts you in an election year too. It so, does no good. None. Yeah, it does no good. The the reason they won in twenty twenty is because they knew how to rig the system legally, right? right? And they hid him as often as humanly possible because every single time he got in front of the camera, he screwed up. You ain't black if you don't vote for me, right? All of the racist tropes, all of the things that that. Um, he would say time and time again, it, it's amazing to me. Absolutely amazing. But we're not done with the amazing here, Pat, um, because we talked about the Joey Behar situation, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> now, we also talked about uh, the school shootings and gun control. There's an individual that, uh, of course, pops up every single time, every single time. That gun control is in the kid? Yes. David Hogg <clears throat> decides to lie to gaslight the American public into believing that Marco Rubio wouldn't have a conversation with him. And therefore, he is afraid of gun control or, or compromise or some weird thing. Except for when you've got the receipts... Yeah, um, and and and, um, and you know, and they know that you're full of crap. You probably shouldn't tweet that out. What did David Hogg tweet out? <clears throat> well, um, on June 9th, Rubio staff said I can't meet with him or his staff because I quote unquote trigger him. I just want to have a conversation. Please meet with me at Marco Rubio. I just want to uh, figure out how we can stop these things from happening. We have to end the continuous debate and find what we can agree on. Um, Michael Nedham happens to work for Marco Rubio. Um, <clears throat> no one said such a thing. As for this meeting, you must be confused as we had a 2 p.m. meeting scheduled with you today. However, since you are lying and clearly using this for self-promotion, that meeting is now canceled. And then t went over the top rope. Put the elbow drop down. Also, the reporter doing a profile of you knows the meeting is real since she was emailing yesterday with our comms team about it. Don't lie again. We have receipts. <clears throat> <clears throat> Here's a shocker. David Hogg, um, a few hours later, at Marco Rubio, an honest mistake. Got our meetings confused in the flurry and my staff misinformed me. Oh, so you're guilty of misinformation. <clears throat> I apologize. We'd still love to meet with you and have an honest, respectful discussion. Deleted the tweet because it wasn't true, but attaching here for transparency. So, um, in other words, it's better to look like you're stupid than look like a liar. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> Unreal. All right. Any other stories into the fryer this week, Pat? Well, you know, we, we do have the uh, letter to the uh, DHS secretary, which uh, highlights new terms from Biden administration's Ministry of Truth. Uh-uh. That's not a Ministry of Truth, Pat. It's just a disinformation governance board aimed at, um, not the American people, by the way, aimed at um, foreign actors, headed up by an individual who wait for this, Pat, in 2019 was the um, information director of 
Vladimir Zelensky's campaign. Wait, wait, wait. He's the president of, of Ukraine. Ukraine. And and wasn't Ukraine notorious for again, Pat? Corruption. And disinformation. Yeah. So but but we were supposed to believe this was just an innocent uh, governance board um aimed at giving them guidance, right? To uh to fight and combat that in foreign countries. Wait, what's that? There's a document that says um, there's a private-public partnership to do this to American people? See, this is the thing that the, 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 the FBI, if you pay attention to, and the NSA, right? When they tell you they're not spying on you, what they really mean is we're not spying on you. We're just hiring people to spy on you, and they're just giving us the information, and that's not illegal, right? Uh-oh. It's not illegal for private companies to do it. Mm-mm. And it's also not illegal for them to say, here you go, NSA. We're just innocently dropping this off. We we have no idea what's on here, by the way. None. <laughs> so you say disinformation governance board. I say ministry of truth. Right. But that wasn't. Nah, there's nothing wrong with this. <clears throat> um. By the way, uh, Republican Senators Chuck Grassley, which, by the way, needs to retire. Oh, God, he's terrible. Um, Yeah. Uh, And then Josh Hawley of Missouri called on the DHS on Tuesday to provide additional clarification regarding its policies and procedures for identifying mis, dis, or malinformation, as well as its efforts to operationalize public-private partnerships and its steps it's taking to ensure it does not infringe on the constitutional rights of Americans. No, 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 Pat, Pat. They would never think to do what the FBI and the the NSA already do. They would never do that to the American people. Your freedom of speech is paramount. Are you sure? Because the uh, (laughs) according to the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency refers to information based on fact, but used out of context to mislead or manipulate. So are they going to muzzle the White House? Because I can't think of a a space or a a place or a, a group of individuals who peddle in mis and dis and malinformation more the the greatest example we talked about it this week right 80 percent of americans feel that uh they're they're satisfied with their personal financial security right yeah sure october of last year they they felt that way how do they feel now oh wait the federal reserve isn't taking that study and it took a whistleblower by the way uh to um Tell us that this governance board, sure, it was wink, wink, going to be dissolved, right? It wasn't going to exist. They were just still going to go ahead with the same idea. Just uh, we'll do this with a private company that we hire. And on that note, Pat, your final thoughts as we head into the weekend. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And Joy Behar is racist. Please be smart, be safe, be kind, have yourselves a great weekend, and as always, Matthew 547.